Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. Welcome to Cop On Podcast, everybody around the world, all the Liverpool fans, all the other fans, anyone who might be listening to this, you are very welcome, whoever you are, wherever you are. I'm 100% delighted. You know, there is no version of delighted beyond how I feel, because not only have Liverpool just beaten Aston Villa 1-0, Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa 1-0 with a crucial three points, but I am also joined by Alan, by Jack Mack and by Douglas from The Dugout. Um, absolutely wonderful to have you uh, with us. Um, Alan, how are your nerves after that? Because mine are as fried as a donut. Yeah, the, the lads have done it to us the last two games, haven't they? Just... Uh keeping us on our toes and stressed out and obviously a lot happier now because of the result but God for that first half and, and stuff it was more frustration with the ref than than, than anything really um, you know just uh, I think on 15 minutes the Villa goalkeeper start wasting time and I just thought the ref was awful like uh, we'll talk about it later on with our three possible penalties in the first half alone but, um, yeah, it was very frustrating, but happy with the win and looking positive from now on. The ref was absolutely diabolical. Absolutely right. Um, uh, uh, Doug, it was, a, it was a tough win today. And, and the kind of thing that we really, I don't know, we really needed the points. Chelsea picking up three points. Man City, we'll come on to talk about their crazy penalty decision. Um, you know, the ref was absolutely awful. But how are you feeling at the fact that we've come through this? Another biased ref, a 12th man for the opposition yet again for Liverpool. And we've come through with three points. Yeah, absolutely. That's another big, big, uh, big three points. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling elated um, because Livingston actually won as well. Um, so it, does, it doesn't happen very often that my two uh, two teams win. So that, that's, that's, that's a good sign. But yeah, Stuart Atwell was an absolute disgrace today. Uh, actually, before that game, I don't think he'd ever given a penalty for us. So I think that's the first ever game he's given a pen- uh, us a penalty. Um, I know we'll get on to it very, very shortly, but, you know, the three penalties in the, f- the first half, I mean, how none of them were given is uh, is beyond me. But, but yeah, at least we managed to get the get the win. Our Egyptian king, that's now his 14th league goal of the season. I am elated. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Jack, um, were you sort of, you know, spitting at your TV screen whenever the ref's face... Uh, appeared on it because I was, I don't know, I was basically doing that. Um, how are you feeling? Yeah, James and me on, mate. Yeah, it's, it's a lads have already alluded to it. Every single one of us around the world were, it, it, they've done it to us again, as Alan said. It's the Wolves game, back to back games, but come the end of May, mate, the, the, these three points will be very massive to us. We'll, we'll find out come the end of the year, but it was it was always going to be one of those games, one that we've seen Aston Villa over recent weeks, frustrate a lot of opposition teams and they were unlucky to get at least a point against City in that second half when they played them. So, uh, yeah, as Doug alluded to, the penalties, which we'll discuss tonight, but it was just one of those games where we just need to keep our patience, really, and I think that's what Jürgen Klopp have very much talked about in his press conference. I haven't seen it, but even we spoke in our group chat, it was about being patient and just taking that one opportunity when it did arise and uh, sometimes you need a bit of luck sometimes you don't get it within a game but I don't even know what Mings was doing on that penalty but we'll take it (laughs) 
because he was man of the match up until that until that decision really. But is like Tyrone, uh, he's given us a cheeky pen there, and it's as much as we very much did deserve. Well, it does take you know in order for Liverpool to be given a penalty, it does take you know an absolutely blatant decision, doesn't it? I mean, it was. Uh, he, I think he fouled him about three times by the time he, he actually hit the deck. So you know, even a biased ref or an incompetent ref, let's just call them all incompetent. Um, you know, could had had no choice but to give it. And Salah, what a penalty it was! And it was difficult for him today, uh, Mo Salah. I mean, he. He, uh, you know, he was often, he was allowed to go out wide, I noticed, Alan. But then as soon as he went inside, there were like four Villa players there waiting for him. Um, there was obviously a, a very serious tactical plan um, by Steven Gerrard. But he is the Egyptian king. You can't keep him down. Um, and he managed six shots with two on target, a couple of deflected ones that went over, um, especially in the second half, he was more and more dangerous because he only managed one shot in the first half. Um, so I think it's important to talk about that, that, you know, the difference in the first between the first half and the second half, because in the first half, as I said, Mo Salah had one shot, um, Chamberlain had one shot, Sadio Mane had one shot. Um, and it wasn't particularly good enough going forward from our point of view. We should have had uh, three penalties, as you said, but let's talk about the refs later, those those buffoons. Because uh, for now, I, I want to talk about, you know, the the attack and Salah and Mane and, and things like that. You can talk about whatever you want, Alan, really, but I'm just wondering, you know, uh, what you think in general. I mean, I thought Mo Salah was, was, was terrific, his persistence, and uh, you could say that about a few players. Sadio Mane had four shots by the end, for example. What do you reckon, Alan? Yeah, I'd agree with you. I'd, and again, um, for the second week in a row, like um, nobody played bad. Absolutely nobody played bad. Um, but you're right, in the first half... Um, I think it was kind of a plan by Klopp to give some Klopp some credit too that um, the new the new Sada was going to be well marked and in the first half we seemed to use the left side more so, in particular Andy Robertson and and Mane linking up a lot, and uh, you knew Mo was always in the game. He got one or two touches, but come second half we just seemed to to change tact and give the ball to Mo a lot more and look what it produced as as nearly always so yeah you have to give credit to Villa because they played well you kind of knew I think we all knew Villa like to get compact in the middle and push you out wide you know I think that's something you'd expect from them and and from Gerard's history in in, in, with Rangers and stuff but you, you knew it was coming you know like you said we got all them chances we had a few not too many shots on goal but a lot of chances possibly you know, being a realistic um, one out of them three penalties in the first half definitely should have been given. Um, but um, overall, we played great. And it, I think last week, you kind of had a bit of a fear that the goal wasn't going to come. But, but I didn't have that fear this week. I, I just kind of knew it was coming. And uh, I give credit to everyone that played well and stuff. I thought the Ox had a good game, by the way. Um, I know they were saying on the TV that I was looking ahead anyway, that they needed to take him off because we needed the centre forward. You know, in them positions, but Toddy Ox had a great game. Oh, that's uh, interesting. What did you like about it? Because I, I, th- I thought he wasn't very good at all, to be honest. But uh, yeah, carry on. What, what do you think you, you liked about it? I liked, I liked, I liked having the Ox. I like um, he gets the ball, he runs with it, shoots with it. Like we, we don't have too many players that shoot from outside the box. Um, I know he doesn't always have success, but that's another 
uh, string in your bow, if you like to put it that way. That, um, But he played well. He was always a threat. He was running onto the ball. He was defending. I do agree that we needed a centre-forward. That wasn't his fault, though. He did his job well. He played well. And then Jota came on and was more that centre-forward. that would be in them positions around the six-yard box that, that the Ox wouldn't be in because he's not, not doing it all his life as such. But I thought he had a good game. He did nothing wrong in, in my eyes. Yeah, okay. No, interesting. I mean, I thought I thought he didn't do much wrong. Don't 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 get me wrong, but he didn't just he didn't do very much for me. I mean, he only had 24 touches of the ball in his 57 minutes on the pitch. Um 82.4% passing accuracy, which is very very good. So, yeah, he did manage to keep the ball well for an attacker, but um there was just that one shot that went over the bar. And uh, yeah, he was busy. He was a bit of a nuisance, but I thought, Doug, it was chalk and cheese once Jota came on. Uh, what did you think about uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain? Yeah, but, I mean, it's not his usual position, is it? You know, the, the, the false nine. I mean, he's played there a couple of times, and whenever I've seen him there, I, I just don't think it. I, I just don't think it's his position. But I think we were probably forced into the fact that you know Jota was carrying an injury. Um, you know, obviously Mino could have played there, but you know, obviously Klopp uh, trusts trust Ox to, you know, play there. But yeah, I thought I th- he was okay. He was okay. He wasn't. I don't think he was as. I don't think he was a uh, great in an attacking sense. There was one th- one moment I think in the the first or second half. I think it was when we when he was like attacking midfield, and you're just you're just edging him to basically go go on, go on, go on, basically to go forward. And I just I just had a feeling that as long as the game went on, I just had a feeling that he was going to get subbed for uh, for Jota. And I, obviously, it, it, you know, it did, it did come to uh, fruition. But it wasn't his worst game it's for by a long way of, of the stretch of imagination. It was just one of those games that it could have been for him, but on another day, he probably he probably get he probably gets a goal um, on, on on another day. It it just wasn't his day, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, um, the team played well, as Alan was saying before. The team generally played well. Um, who stood out for you, Jack? Who was like a a really good performer? If for me, it's just Henderson yet again, mate. I think. Especially that midfield, we did find it difficult. Villa very much did press us, especially deep into our second half, got in our faces, and sometimes Endo, Fabinho, Thiago, I like the the fouls that they were given away. It was so intelligent. Obviously, that's what you get from all three of them, really, just to to calm the nerves, really. We got our goal, and and the maturity, as you'd expect from Henderson, he, he just knew himself. Slow the tempo of the game down. That's very much what Aston Villa were doing since minute one. In reality, and it was a bit of bit of medicine, really, in terms of it giving them a bit. Some that sometimes we need to do that. The dark arts, really. If you need to foul a player, disrupt play. That's something that that is very much Liverpool have developed over the last couple of years. Really, the intelligence to just give away fouls at the right moments but also in the right areas as well. It wasn't fouls that were very much allowing us to soak up so much pressure that we couldn't get out. But typical Jordan Henderson performance led from the front, really, and and commanded his men so superbly in terms of that, mate. It's breaking through the lines as well, obviously, through the different sections in terms of deeper in the Aston Villa opposition half. It was... I liked his um, attack and runs as well, most importantly. That's what Liverpool did need when Thiago couldn't quite get that space or when Fabinho was 
trying to deal with the likes of Ollie Watkins and obviously Brendier when he come on. So yeah, Jordan Henderson for me, mate, probably one of my standouts today. And obviously the the, the Thiago with that record really yet again. Then with Liverpool, uh, is it, have they lost like one game in the last 11, 12 games? Um, I think he's probably everyone at home probably know that stat anyway, but just another one to add to Thiago's win ratio. <laughs> Yeah, I can't remember exactly what Doug. Doug will probably know. Is it is it now fifteen games and we've drawn one and one fourteen or something like that? Doug, what is that stat? Do you know? I can't remember. Uh, t- oh, I mean, know? I've just I've just seen like I've obviously seen uh, like another uh, couple of stats uh, today was um, James Monroe's five hundred seventy third uh, Premier League appearance, so he's now fourth on the all time. Uh, Premier League appearances and also we've now uh, gone through 500 points under Jurgen Klopp I think it's 501 now um, as well so this team this team man we're breaking record after record after record and I'm pretty sure this is they won't be the only ones that are broken this season Absolutely superb so yeah Fabinho and Thiago they they had a 100% unbeaten record um, when starting together in midfield and that was on the the 21st of November. So that was when they played 12 together, won 11 and drawn one. So however many games we played since then, maybe two or three, um, then, you know, it's still the case. Uh, they've still only drawn one and they've won the rest, which is, I mean, it's it's utterly remarkable. They do work so well together, don't they? Um, and Alan, what did you think of our, uh, thanks for those stats as well, Doug, superb. What did you think of our midfield, Alan? I mean, Henderson that uh, Jack mentioned, Henderson, uh, had 83.7% passing accuracy by the end of the game, uh, which is good because at halftime, he only had 75% passing accuracy. So his passing accuracy improved a heck of a lot in that second half. He managed one key pass. Um, defensively, he managed the equal most uh, interceptions in the team. Uh, sorry, the most interceptions in the team with three and one clearance for Jordan Henderson. Um, Fabinho had three tackles, two interceptions, and four clearances. So defensively, he was excellent. Fabinho also managed one, uh, sorry, two key passes. So one more than Jordan Henderson. And Thiago also managed two key passes with one shot that was not on target. Um, he was fouled twice. Uh, defensively, Thiago had uh, two tackles, one interception and one clearance. What did he make of our midfield, Alan? They're, they're, they're a lovely three that complement each other very well. And they can turn around you know angles all three of them can play delicious passes um what do you reckon alan yeah they're just them stats speak for themselves on don't they they're 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 our preferred midfield now at the moment and and you can see why with them stats i love the the i love that combination i just think that um obviously we have fabinho there cleaning up everything and putting in the vital tackles it gives um henderson the, the the chance to go up, especially up the right side, which we've seen a lot of this this season, and link up play with Mo Salah and, and Trent, great, and it gives Thiago that that, that chance to sit there and uh, play play his beautiful balls, that plays nice simple passes, play everything he he does so well, and uh, we didn't see the best of Thiago today in that wise, but that was that was more due to to a good solid Villa team but uh, I don't it, it, you'd have to think a long while back to think of a centre midfield pair or three midfield players for us playing as well as these three guys together um, I think the freedom that Henderson is having with 
with Fabinho there is great for for Henderson because uh, he 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 gets to do his work, he gets to do some passing, he gets to do his his simple work. He's he's talking to the players. He's not he's not doing all the running around that he just have, has been doing earlier on the season. So I think it's a great combination there of the three of them and uh, long may it last because um, staying injury free that's 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 the midfield for the future. Yeah, fingers crossed for the injuries. Absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, it's something that is uh, always, always on our minds. As Elvis once sang, I'm sure that was about midfield injuries for Liverpool. Um, yeah, so going, going into the match and in the first half, the ref was given absolutely everything to Villa. I think we had our first sort of foul on 46 minutes, but I might be wrong. It felt like that anyway. Um, there were a few moments we should have had two penalties, but then there was one thing that might be forgotten um, was when Allison slipped in the first half and Ashley Young uh, managed to get to the byline and Joel Matip, who was my man of the match, I thought he was sensational again, Joel Matip, um, but that header, to be in exactly the right position with his arms behind his back, brilliant defending from Joel Matip. Um, were you having kittens in that moment, Doug? Or were they puppies or were they baby hamsters? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it, was a, it was a weird game for Ali today, actually. Um, not one of his best. I think he, he, had a, he had a couple of shaky moments as well. But, you know, I, that, that's not going to put down uh, Ali. Uh, for sure, but yeah, that, that 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 slip was a little bit worrying. But obviously, fair play to Joel Matip for you know tracking back and you know managing to you know block the block the cross out. But yeah, it's, it's weird that Ashley Young is actually starting a Premier League game at the age of like thirty eight. Like, uh, it, it like he was on the left wing as well. Like this this is just this is just very very weird. I, I don't I don't think he'll be left wing for most of the season anyway. But I just look at I just look at that. Sorry if you can hear my uh, oven beeping. Yeah, is, is uh, the pizza ready? Go get the pizza. Go get the pizza. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, um, but um, no, I, I just—it was—it was a very, very weird game for uh, for Ali. Um, obviously, you know, we will probably come on to the, you know, talk about the the second half. He obviously had that that uh, that moment in the in the second half as well. But yeah, I, I, my 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 head was in my hands actually. That point, that point, I, I didn't know what to do. So if you're if you're asking me what, what how I was feeling, I think I was probably feeling with butterflies in my stomach. I think that's probably a better term to use. <laughs> very good, very good. Excellent. Go get your pizza, Doug. Bon appetit, bon appetit. Um, uh, Jack, uh, you know, in, in that first half, I thought Trent, Hendo and Mo were looking very dangerous on our right side. You know, that, that sort of revolving triangle. Trent sometimes comes in inside, and when he does, Hendo runs in behind him to cover the space in behind Trent. Um, Mo Salah sometimes pulled out wide, and then he was pulling inside. And, you know, it's, he's hard to he's hard at the best of times, at the worst of times, any time, any day of the week. He's hard to... He's hard to stop his mo, and, and and I thought he was very very dangerous. It felt like Jack. It felt like just you know inevitable throughout the match with the amount of pressure that we were putting on um, Villa. I don't know. I mean, in that first half, for example, Manny gave Cash loads of problems. Uh, we didn't have too many chances. We had seven um, 
seven shots with three on target in the first half. But we had seven corners and there was this huge amount of pressure. Um, if I was a Villa player, I would have, you know, felt like, uh, you know, sitting outside the headmaster's office or something like that. Like, you know, you're in trouble and, you know, you, something bad's going to happen. Were you confident throughout that match, Jack, that, uh, you know, we were going to score? Yeah and no, <laughs> not watching the game but deceiving me. Uh, it's the thing. It's it's how you win titles in it, and we've seen when we did win that league title, there was a lot of one 0 wins, and I think the crowd were getting frustrated. The players were, but what I loved was the players didn't give in yet again from back to back weeks. We've done it against Wolves, and it's this it's sheer intensity. A lot of teams we've seen come to Anfield have very much crumbled under the pressure. And being absolutely smacked up, but Aston Villa, a lot of credit does have to go to them, and then that's the only reason we've won one nil because the sheer intensity embodies what Steven Gerrard was as a player. Never stayed that attitude really, given everything for since the first second into the game to the last second of the game, and it was like that lap, the back end of the pressure is that second half, which we'll speak about later. The sheer intensity, but. Yeah, superb, mate, and, and and that's what you get from top class players. Salah, the sheer eagerness to continue, even if it does doesn't come off, continue, continue, and continue, and the repetitive nature that Liverpool were creating a lot of chances. That's it. That's positives to come away from all these games, and especially sixteen games into the season already. You look at Chelsea, they're leaking goals, and you're looking like where where are they going to get the goals from? Especially if Lukaku and Timo, but. There's so many goals within this Liverpool team, even if it is nil-nil late on. We've got the likes of Divock to come off the bench as well. Jota, Bobby, whoever's starting up front or whoever's coming off the pitch as well. And even Ox today, I, I, I liked him. I understand why he did start. Obviously, the, the options, Liverpool didn't have a lot of options off the bench today, given that he wasn't on the bench, but we only had Jota. So, you would have been left in a, quite a predicament, really, if he did start with Jota. And then you would have had to really rely on Ox coming off, off the bench or possibly a Minamino to, to come off the bench and really get a goal. But tremendous, yeah, the right-hand side down was fantastic. Yeah, you, you, we've seen it again, especially this season. There's no better right-hand side in the whole of Europe than Trent, Henderson and Salah. Um, would cause a lot of, we've already caused a lot of teams carnage and... Uh, teams will struggle most definitely, most. Yeah, we're we're a match for anyone. I mean, Trent, Player of the Month. Um, both fullbacks actually. They were, might be to do with Villa's tactics, were but they were allowed a lot of a lot of space and uh, quite a lot of time by Aston Villa. And uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, his passing accuracy ended up being seventy three point three percent. But if you break down his passing. Um, it's actually quite extraordinary because um, he was trying to make things happen all the time. Um, two key passes uh, out of 60 in total, 15 crosses, six of those were accurate, and 15 long passes, and nine of those were accurate. Um, Robertson on the other on the other side, um, he had eight crosses. Four of them were accurate, which is more than he usually makes. So well done, Robertson. And six long passes with only one being accurate with a 76.1% passing 
passing accuracy, so he kept the ball better. Um, but Robertson, I thought it was he made two amazing tackles on the in the seventy eighth and seventy ninth minute. Um, one from the the great cross from the left hand side that he just got a toe on, and another one was a superb tackle, uh, reading the game and getting there before um, Matty Cash. But uh, Robertson also interestingly, interestingly for stats nerds like me, um, had the most amount of touches in our team with 105. Uh, the next best was Thiago on 98. And if you compare that to Fabinho on 63 and Henderson on 53, that tells you how much time and space Robertson had. And Trent on the other side, 94 touches. So this was obviously a tactic, Alan, was to sort of allow Robertson and Trent the ball. Was that a bit of naivety from Stevie G? Because Trent almost punished us a number, uh, punished them a number of times. Um, and generally, what do you think of Trent and Robbo, the fullbacks today? Yeah, um, I think it was a mistake to give them so much space because I don't know the whole world knows how, how good they are to us. Um, but I don't think Stevie has enough time in Villa to have sorted out all his problems yet. So he probably went for his what he thought was his best chance. But um, yeah, and Robertson back to his best, back to his best by by a mile now. He, he's um, doing those dynamic runs, the fantastic tackles, like you said. There, he's uh, he's just back to his best. Simicast may be happy to sit in the bench now because the way Robert's playing now, he's he's back. Um, but I, you know, like I said already, there I think it was a great tactic from our management that they knew this is what what Villa were going to do, and they obviously had worked on it and planned for it because everything, virtually every ball through the first half in particular went through Robertson. Like so, um, when those two boys are flying, you know, we're a very hard team to beat. Um, only one small small detail that um, uh, a little bit annoyed me today, not annoyed me, sorry, just. Um, but Robson had two good chances just to pull on the ball and have a shot, which he doesn't do enough, I don't think. I know he's he's not as good a striker of the ball as, as Trent is, but there was just one in particular in the first half there today where it fell just outside the box for him and I just think just hit it. So um and that's only a tiny little bit of criticism now. I'm not I'm not dampening down because a fantastic game, fantastic result. But um yeah, just feel it played into our hands really in, in that sense. But, yeah, great. Um, yeah, sorry, carry on. Yeah, yeah, but then again, if we had a, uh, if we hadn't scored, we might be going the other way, you know. But just both players played brilliant. So what can you say? No, they were superb. I thought, yeah, they kept going, kept going like the team did. You know, they, they, they just turn turning the screw um, again and again. You know, tighter and tighter until finally they cracked in that second half. Van Dyke had a header, free header. He should have done better. And then from the next corner, Matip had a header, and he should have done better. And then on fifty-three minutes, the referee um, finally after 53 minutes, had a word for time-wasting. He didn't even book him. He had a word. I want to talk about the ref now, uh, Doug, and you can talk about the ref as well in the Man City game because they got a penalty today from John Moss, who I once asked someone who worked in, who worked in football in the Premier League, um, who was a foreign person who didn't come from England and they just came to England. And I asked them, what do you think about the referees in England and he said, I don't like the fat one. 
And he was referring to John Moss. And we're not fattest here. I'm a little bit chubby myself. But he is not fit to referee John Moss, is he, Doug? Um, because he's, uh, you know, he's like, I can't, you know, as they say, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit rotund. I've got a bit of a tubster about me. And uh, I'm not going to pretend that I'm fit to run around after athletes and make decisions all day. And I'm definitely not going to, you know, pretend that, I, I, I have seen something when I haven't, like John Moss did today in the Man City game. Basically, if you haven't seen it, the ball hit Jean Matinho in the chest, the side in his ribs. He had his arm straight up in the air and it hit his rib. And even with VAR, these referees couldn't get it right. So, Doug, have a rant about the state of the Premier League referees, because for me, it's it's beyond a joke and they've needed changing for a long time now. Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, that, that, that city decision is just laughable. Like, it has literally come up, it has hit Moutinho on the ribcage, and John Moss has basically just decided that it is a penalty because of, obviously, City complaining about it look it's an absolutely ridiculous decision and it's just ludicrous i mean you know it's another it's another decision that you know city like i've seen actually city fans actually saying that oh yeah it's a it's a definite penalty i don't know what rival fans are moaning about no it's not a handball is a handball if it goes off your arm or, or your hand a handball is a handball if it goes off your um like your your fingers or, or something a handball is when it, it clearly strikes your hand or it clearly strikes your arm. This hit him on the rib cage. I mean, come on. If it, it, if people can't if people can't see the how bad that decision is, then obviously just stop watching football because that, that was obviously ridiculous. Stuart Atwell was a joke today, an absolute joke. Never gave us one thing apart from the the, the penalty. We 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 should have had about uh, you know two or three penalties in the, you know the first half. Uh, the, the word, I mean, the, 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 it's just it's just laughable. Like the one on Manny is probably the best of the lot for me. That was a stonewall penalty. I don't know what Cash is is thinking. Or Manny goes past him, he's brought down. Referee doesn't think it's a penalty, and obviously the VAR doesn't think it is as well. But yeah, the state of the state of refereeing has been an absolute joke for. Um, ages and you know you've got obviously Mike Dean um, who wants to make everything about himself, uh, you've got John Moss who I mean should probably retire very very soon, you've got Michael Oliver uh, who, who who doesn't really make any uh, good decisions anyway and you've also got um, Anthony Taylor who uh, let's be honest, uh, the officiating for the Manchester United Liverpool game a couple of uh, weeks ago was absolutely ridiculous. Like, he was letting tackles go, and obviously, you know, the Pogba tackle on Keita has managed to get, you know, a uh, you know a straight red, and obviously Keita has had to be, Only you know, forced review. out. Yeah, it's, it's, they needed a review for that. Yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous, and I don't think it's I don't think it's the technology itself. I think it's the people who are running VAR that are an absolute joke. Yeah, ran yeah. over. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, I'm, I've only just got started. Alan, you wanted to come in. Yeah, just sorry to interrupt you there, uh, but I think that the biggest disgrace is their get out of jail card, the clear and obvious error. That that's the problem. You know, if if if, if I'm a big fan of rugby, I like I like rugby, and one of the reasons I started looking at rugby years ago was the ref, the discipline, the respect, and the rule is the rule. Where VAR have given themselves that golden ticket, the clear and obvious error gets them out of all these predictions. You know, so that's 
like Doug said there, it's so frustrating. Well, it's a good point. When, when it's, it, you know, it's, they, they can't get it wrong right after a review because they use the clear and obvious error thing. But that, but it was a clear and obvious error to that. I mean, the clear and Absolutely. obvious thing that comes from the that comes from the IFAB, the IFAB, the International Federation um, of of arbitering or whatever they call it. I don't know what they what they call it, arbitering, but it was a, it's the um, it's the uh, it comes from the top, so it's international. It's like FIFA. Um, they're the ones who, who who issue the rules every year. So this clear and obvious thing is something I know for a fact that they're looking at and they're going to change it to something a lot better, which is, is it the right decision? Which is what they should have done year, as, soon, <laughs> as soon as VAR came in. Is that, you know, and, and, and it was a clear and obvious error. So, I mean, it's one thing that John Moss uh, gives the penalty in the first place. It's another thing that the VAR doesn't pick up on it because it hits him on the ribs. It's absolutely crazy. Um, but yeah, Mike Dean, for example, you mentioned, was born on the 2nd of June, 1968. That makes him 53. Um, um, John Moss was born in 1970. That makes him 51. Um, is it a case, Jack, that they just, I don't know, they, they just need, need to, you know, you need to bring back the rule that you can't rest beyond the age of 45? Or is that just silly and being... Aegis Jack. I mean, what do, you, what do you reckon about the referees? You can have a rant if you want. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole conundrum of factors, really. The, the Premier League like to pride themselves of having the best product um, in world football, the best players, the best managers. And then you've got a set of clowns that don't even know. <clears throat> I don't think even half of these have even played five sides as a kid. These refs, <laughs> for me personally, you, you should have... I think the players, Alan spot on there with the rugby, I think players on the field, especially in football, would very much respect referees if you would, could possibly get ex-footballers on the pitch. Someone that actually know, because we've all played football at, at various levels, and the, the, even you look at some challenges and you're like, yes, yeah, I'm the fair play, play on. But it, these refs, they, they don't have a... A grasp or an understanding really of the reality of of modern day football. Yes, the game has speeded up quite frankly since the likes of obviously Arsene Wenger when he came into the Premier League. Players have got a lot more fitter, a lot more quicker. The games developed so much, especially rapidly. You agree with there as well, though, and half of these refs can't even catch up, and even the linesmen. And it's about personalities. We watch all these referees not just for Liverpool games, what we watched them on match of the day. And you're like, what are you, what's going through your head? Like, why have you come about that decision? It, it comes stems from, obviously, a lot of them are all big personalities. They like to make the whole notion and the whole pantomime round the decisions about themselves. And it's taken away from the game. And and obviously, that, that there was that decision last year or the year before when... The blatant goal. I think it was for Aston Villa would have got relegated off that decision, and it wasn't given, which was crazy. Um, but the, sometimes, especially as I just said, there Villa should have went down off the back of that decision. But it could cost not just Liverpool, but a lot of teams within the division, and uh, so important, especially how much money is in the game now. You can't be allowing decisions to be going, and even that City decision was. John Moss spent the whole of the 94, 95 plus minutes wanting to give Man City a pen. 
he wanted a little sniff of an opportunity to give Manchester City a glimpse. He watched Sterling dive about 50 times. <laughs> Christ, imagine Mo Salah done that. You wouldn't hear the last of it, would you? Um, but, you know, apparently it's only Salah that dives in this league, but that's another whole podcast in itself. So, But, yeah, it's shocking, mate. And we've been saying it for the last couple of years, but for me, I'd love to pose a question to the FA or people running English football. Go with an idea to possibly get a couple of ex-players, but obviously if they played for their parent club, they can't officiate that given game. Um, obviously, and you won't have like referees favouring certain clubs and all that. But for me, I'd love to see that idea because these clowns haven't even got a, a clue, mate. <laughs> you've, 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 had the, you've hit the nail on the head there, Jack. We have clowns um, like Mike Mike Riley, for example. He was a clown of a referee. Um, we got him in the charge of all all these all these refs. We've got Blumen. Um, we've got we've got absolute clowns, you know, at the at the FA, and and, and the thing the thing is the thing is with VAR, it, it, it's not obviously the technology, but it's it's the refs. It's like like one decision, it's like a handball, and one decision, it it was not a handball. Like it's so bloody inconsistent. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm I'm getting getting uh, really really uh, angry angry Damn. again, but it's just absolutely ridiculous. And the thing is, they're making things up on the spot as well, like. It, as I said, it's so inconsistent. But uh, like for one ref, it'll be a penalty. One ref, it'll be a free kick. One ref, it won't be even anything. Like they're just making these things up on the spot as as things go. And don't get me started about IFAB, who have probably changed about what a million different things um, in, in 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 the in, in refereeing and and the rules of football is just it's just ridiculous, ludicrous. So, but uh, yeah, well, I've, I've yeah, had. I've, but- but Doug, sorry to interrupt there, but but if you put yourself in the referee's position, right? As I as I've done, um, as you know, I was teaching some referees um, English, teaching them English here in France. It's very interesting to see the game from their point of view, and I want to, you know, just play a bit of devil's advocate it for all but for a while because. It's really hard to referee a game of football because there is an element of subjectivity. Uh, what is a foul to you is not a foul to me necessarily. Like you wouldn't agree with your neighbour or you know whoever whoever even the people on this on this call wouldn't agree uh, exactly on every decision. So it, there is that there is always an element of subjectivity in football. But the solution that Jack. Um, mentioned is very good. And then there's another solution. So we get as many ex-players as we can uh, to, to, to referee. That's a brilliant idea. Also, um, the VAR thing, there should be VAR specialists who are independent from the Professional Game Match Officials Limited, the PGMOL that Mike Riley is the president of. Because at the moment, as it stands, there is a system wherein they they have like sort of points and promotion and relegation. And so in that case, you're going to stand up for your mate as much as you can. There is a system wherein all of them come from the same company. So that's already a monopoly, which you can go to European courts about, or maybe you could before Brexit, who knows? That's probably Man um, yeah, yeah. Is that Man United? Oh, yeah, Man United as well. Ma- yeah, yeah, Man United. Born, they're born, they're yeah. They're, 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 yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they're all born born within a stone's throw from the Stretford end. Yeah. 
as well. But that's another that's another thing. But no, like you should be able to get a second body so that they're not protecting their mates, they're not protecting their company because it's a limited company. That the Premier League just delegates all of their match officials. Um, work to Mike Riley and his cronies who are awful absolutely awful um uh anyway 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 we got three points let's not let's not get too riled up uh about it um how important were they in terms of the the title race Alan because for me it's very clear um as it was pretty much from the start of the season that there's definitely three teams in this race there's Liverpool there's City and there's Chelsea. How are you feeling about the title race, Alan? Yeah, exactly. There's still still three teams in it. Um, I'm still quite positive about ourselves. I think we're it's like it's two games, two hard games in a row. We've we've come and got the goal and won it. Um, so yeah, quite positive. Um, watch City game today now, and I, I didn't see God. They were lucky. Never mind the penalty. They had a few chances, yes, but but I just seen mostly the second half where, where Wolves were down to ten men, and God, they're so hard to look at. Even so, I think I said at the beginning of the season that they'll drop away, but they're still winning these games, you know. So it's hard. so they're not dropping away. They're they're playing bad. They're getting points. So we just need to keep going and keep getting points. Um, I can see both them and Chelsea, like you said earlier on. Chelsea are starting to leak goals. So if we can just put another, keep our good run going, I think we'll pull away and we'll get ahead and pull away soon enough. Um, hopefully after Christmas, but but it's not going to be easy. It's it's going to be a long hard fight. We we need our um we need our mentality monsters to keep going. Yeah, we will, especially like today, because as you said, City were very lucky. But the thing that worries me about City, uh, Jack, is is the the lack of you know, chances that they actually concede, you know, shots on goal against them. They're top of the league for that. Like they, they hardly concede any chances. Uh, that's the thing that uh, uh, worries me most about this, this title race going forward is that defensively City are brilliant. What do you make of the title race so far? Yeah, most definitely. I watched the, the City game and the, the, the most stupidest <laughs> card I've seen in my life. And Raul, um, because I think Wolves could have very much sat behind the ball and frustrated City. You know, I think Wolves didn't even have a shot on Zaid, he had like one shot in the whole 90 plus minute. But yeah, it, it is, it is, but we've just got to focus on ourselves, mate. And we, as long as we can keep on chipping at the results, I was more frustrated at the fact that Chelsea got a late minute winner. Um, it was, we had the, we had the Liverpool game on today, and just looking at the Chelsea result coming. 90-second minute penalty, but for me, it, it will be Liverpool and City. I've watched Chelsea over the last couple of weeks, and it's very unlike Tuchel's side. Obviously, everyone was speaking about them potentially breaking a lot of defensive records this season in the league, but I think Leeds have got City in next week coming up, so we're frustrated. Wish City could, uh, Chelsea could drop points, but yeah, we've got to focus on ourselves. It's going to come down to Stevie Last game of the season to beat Man City, and he's going to do his little favour. Uh, but what a game that'll be. But yeah, we've just got to focus on ourselves, mate. And as the lads have said, just keep on chipping on it. Keep on going. Keep on going. And whoever comes I, out and the, the leader come the end of May deserves the title at the end of it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with what Jack said. Um, Chelsea just don't look like themselves at the moment. Um, I, was, I was like, obviously, they've conceded three against uh, West Ham, they've conceded three against Zenit. 
And now they're conceded two against Leeds. That's like eight goals in three games. Now, everyone was saying, oh, Chelsea got the best defence in the league. But actually, if you think about it now, we're sort of getting towards us having that best defence now. Um, obviously, along with City as well. Like Chelsea's defence is looking a little bit ragged, but I wonder if that's because there's no Kante. And I don't think Chelsea are anything without Kante in that midfield. I, I think I think you, if you expose Chelsea... I think there's chances there to be to be got at. So I actually think it's Chelsea that could be the ones that could drop out of this race. I, I think it is between ourselves and City. Yeah, great answer. You, you, you've absolutely uh, nailed it with by saying that um, Kante. I mean, he makes he makes about a twenty five to thirty percent difference, just in my opinion, to them because he's everywhere. He's an absolute dynamo, and he's the most underrated player I've ever seen. He is literally one of the best midfielders. Ever, in my opinion. Um, but uh, there you go. Because, I mean, look at what he's won. World Cups, European Cups, the league with Leicester. That was basically him who did most of it uh, with uh, Mares and the brilliant Vardy, of course. But Kante is just a machine. So, yes, if he's out, and I hope he comes back, then, um, you know, it's 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 going to be a different Chelsea. <laughs> oh, whoa. Excuse me. So Chelsea, um, they their their next games are against Everton at home, then Wolves away, Villa away. Go on, Stevie, and Brighton at home. That's four pretty tough fixtures compared to Man City, who have got Leeds, Newcastle, Leicester, and Brentford, which is pretty much nothing. And Liverpool, uh, the Rocket Reds have got Newcastle at home, then Tottenham away. Um, I hope they feel better. Um, Leeds at home and Leicester away. So quite similar fixtures to to Man City. Apart from they have Brentford, we have Tottenham. So Man City could, at the end of these four games, extend their lead. Perhaps it's four points, but things get very difficult for Man City. I think it's around about February or March time. I had a long look at it the other day. Um, so that would be great. Uh, that would be great. Um, you know, uh, don't don't worry, don't panic, keep the faith. If Liverpool can hang in there, then we'll be, uh, we'll we should be fine. We should be fine. Um, what else do I want to talk about today? Oh yeah, just a one cool stat I saw pre-match on LiverpoolFC.com was that in the last seventeen Premier League games at Anfield, in which a former Red has managed against Liverpool, only. F- um, sorry, uh, 15 out of 17 have been home victories. And the last former Liverpool player to win against Liverpool at Anfield was Kevin Keegan with Manchester City way back in 2003. So well done. Uh, Gerard. Um, I put a poll out. I'll get the result of that poll in a moment. But I put a poll out on Twitter to ask if... Alan, you had to choose. You don't have a choice. You have to choose um, between either Steven Gerrard or Pep Linders to take over from Jurgen Klopp. Um, Obviously, we don't want that to happen, but uh, you have to choose one or the other. Who would you go for and why? Oh, God, that is a hard question because... I I think Pep Linders for for the reason that I think um, like you see with every great team when a when a manager leaves the the, the next guy in always gets it hard so I'd hate to see Stevie come in and get it hard um, I really like Pep Linders I, I, I don't know if he's going to make a, a manager 
or is he just going to always be a number two? But I would give it to Pep Lindars and, and then if it doesn't go well for him, Stevie come in and take over. That, that would be my reasoning. Yeah, okay, that's a great answer. What what would you say, Jack? Would you agree? Yeah, very much agree with Alan. For me, you only have to listen to what Jürgen and, and the players do. So the admiration which they have for Linders, I think he already does a lot of tactical stuff behind closed doors. I think he's got a lot of things on buttons. He knows what to press. And obviously Klopp's given him a couple of press conferences over the last couple of years and in, in the Cups and that. He, he handles himself very well. And like we've seen with Bob all those years ago, understudying uh, Shanks as well. I think if it did go bad for Pep Linders and didn't have the quite reaction that Liverpool that we'd hoped in terms of him flourishing as a manager, then I think, as Alan said, if we did bring in Gerrard and it didn't quite work, you've got you've very much not got a backup plan in reality then. So, but I'm, I'm fully confident in the abilities of Pep Linders. I think obviously he, he's been there with Jürgen. Hopefully Jürgen signs a new deal. I think he will, um, but if he wasn't to sign that deal, um, I'd be all above the uh, on the uh, the Pep Linders train. <laughs> oh, Excellent. Yeah, great, great answer. Um, 67% uh, agree with you. Yeah, 67.2% of my scientific poll on Twitter with 137 votes. 67.2% would have chosen Pep Linders over Steven Gerrard. Would you agree with that, Doug? Or, you know, generally speaking, outside of that question as well, do you think we should appoint either or should we get someone who's, you know, already a manager, already a, an exciting manager, someone like Ten Hag? Uh, I, I honestly, I honestly like the, the, the thing about, obviously, about the, you know, the, uh, the, the boot room. Um, and obviously, you know, when obviously Klopp does go, then I think, I think, yeah, Pep Linders is probably, you know, the man to probably replace him. Um, and yeah, obviously, if it doesn't go well, then, you know, probably, you know, Stevie comes in. I mean, I've been, I've been impressed with Stevie's management. I know he's, you know, he's only, only been in what four or five weeks at uh, Aston Villa, and already you can see he's made a he's made a big big difference to that uh, to that team. Uh, they're very resolute. They're very very good defensively. Um, so you know, it was, it was always going to be a tricky game today. And um, I I, on, I honestly like obviously from watching them at, at Rangers, and yes, you know, obviously the, you know the Scottish league is not the not the most best league in the in the world, but he does have a good record in Europe. And I know, I know that from obviously his, his Rangers days, and you know he, he managed to win a, a lot of games in, in the in the in the Europa League. But yeah, for me, I, I think Gerard is still kind of learning his, his his trade as a as a manager, especially in the Premier League. So I reckon that um, I reckon that it should be uh, Pep Linders to uh, take over, and then maybe a couple of years down the line, then probably give it to Stevie. See, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it to Stevie. I've, I've said this before. I wouldn't give it to him until he's won trophies at other clubs, hopefully at other leagues. I mean, yes, the Scottish League, no offence, Doug, but it is a lot weaker than the Premier League. It's sort of, you know, completely almost a different game in terms of the, the intensity and the quality of the, the players, etc. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just think Liverpool need to get it right. The only person I would, I would consider Pep, uh, taken over because I, as I, as you said, Doug, I totally agree. The, the whole boot room thing, I've got this uh, nice attachment to that. You know, it could work. Pep has been there when we've won the Champions League, we've won the Premier League. He knows what it takes. 
So maybe give, give him a chance. But if that doesn't work, I would want someone proven, someone exciting, someone's gonna, who's going to come in with a, with a clear vision and uh, someone who's been through the bad times as well as the good. Um, and on that note, even today, we've had some bad times, mostly brought on by the referee. We've had some good times, uh, mostly brought on by Mo Salah and the relentlessness of Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp and his team. I want to thank you so much for joining me, Alan and Jack and Doug. Uh, it's been an absolute blast. Uh, thank you very much, everybody. And check out the links to Doug's brilliant YouTube channel and Jack's brilliant YouTube channel as Excuse well. Excuse me, <laughs> Yeah, it's all right. Thanks very much. And uh, yeah, yeah, speak to you all appreciate soon. Appreciate it. And uh, obviously, look forward to Monday uh, for the Champions League draw. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Who do you want, finally? Who do you want? Uh, well, uh, funnily enough, I actually uh, did a wee uh, mock draw on my, uh, on my channel and uh, Liverpool got Benfica. So... That would that would be very good for me. I would I would take Benfica. It would be uh, our first meeting I think since the oh five oh six season when we uh, were knocked out by Benfica. So we've obviously got something to give. Uh, but obviously I know that the recent meeting was in the uh, Europa League. To be fair, um, either Sporting or Benfica would do me. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, what, remind me of the options again. There's Sporting. There's Benfica. Uh, RB uh, Salzburg. Villarreal. Villarreal, is that all of them? Is there any that we're forgetting? Uh, um, oh, I heck. Think, uh, I think that's maybe uh, it, but okay. That's enough for now. But okay, <laughs> Alan, who would you choose out of all, all of those? Yeah, I think uh, I've I seen Doug's uh, draw there. I think he'd agree with that. I'd like a, a team like that. that I think yeah, one of the one of the Portuguese teams would be nice. Uh, I think to build up to our to our bigger team. I don't want, you don't want it too big of a game too early. You want to build up your your. Um, your emotions or whatever. So yeah, I'd go with either one of them. Yeah, okay. All right. Although I do I I will remind you that in twenty nineteen we got Bayern Munich in the last sixteen and we ended up winning the Champions League. Um Jack, what about you? What what would you go? I mean, I would go PSG because I live ten minutes from their ground and uh, I might be able to get a ticket. <laughs> but what about you? Yeah, one of the Portuguese teams, but uh, as if you want to win the Champions League, like like we know, you, you've got to beat the best teams. And if it is PSG, I'm pretty confident. I know they've got the Leo. He's what he's so good, isn't he? But Jack, I, I Jack, think... honestly, did you see them against P- um, Man City? Yeah, the three yeah. of them don't. The three of them don't run. The three, yeah, the three yeah. of them did not run. Um, look, I'm going to say this now: bring on anyone. Because yeah. we are in the we are in the form of our lives. You've just won six out of six in the group stage. The first ever English team to do that. Bring them on, is what I'd say. Yeah, they, the PSG have not been looking great. They've been looking full of holes, to be honest. I've watched quite a few of their matches, unfortunately. Um, they, they, they've got lots of teething difficulties trying to shoehorn all of their fabulous attackers into the team. And uh, it's, They'll be it's fuming if they got us, though, wouldn't they? Lads? Yeah, no one wants <laughs> yeah. us. Well, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and uh, there you go. And, you know, regarding Messi, I mean, he doesn't look happy in France. Some of the headlines just from today and yesterday in France are, for example, uh, Messi and the Ballon d'Or. This is really a shameful award to award him the Ballon d'Or. Uh, someone else um, called his form scandalous. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, so there's lots of this kind of language coming out from, uh, from France about <laughs> Messi. So, uh, yeah, nothing to fear. Robertson could give him another little ruffle on the head. I'm sure he'd appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I'd love to see that. But anyway, we shall see. Uh, thanks again, guys. It's been an absolute blast as ever. Pleasure. Cheers. 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 Cheers.